Welcome to Diverse Voices, a new Central Michigan Life podcast hosted by me, Mia Sigma. Our goal for Diverse Voices is to bring listeners a sound similar to their own and attention to world issues affecting Mount Pleasant and CMU. Welcome back to Diverse Voices from your winter holiday. It's been a while. We've got a lot of new changes coming to Diverse Voices soon that I'm excited to tell you about, but for now it's a bit of a secret. More importantly is our episode of the day. Today I want to talk to you guys about accessibility on college campuses. With me to talk about how accessible CMU is, is Jessica Hetzel and Eleanor Delota. Hi everyone, my name is Jessica. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Um, I am a junior this year at CMU and my major is Integrated Public Relations with a double minor in Event Management and Disability Studies and Community Inclusion. Hi guys, I'm Eleanor Delata. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Um, my class standing is kind of confusing. I was dual enrolled um, at a community college through high school. Um, so I'm kind of a sophomore, but with my education major, I'm here until 2025. Um, my um, specific major is special education, uh, CI, pre-K through third grade for elementary level. So I'll be able to teach both. And then a minor in disability studies and community inclusion. That's so cool. And thank you guys again for being with me here today. Could you guys tell me a little bit more about disability services and inclusion? Yeah, so um, I'm really excited to talk about disability um, inclusion and services on campus here today. Um, I think it's really important to share the struggles and like the ups and downs of being a disabled college student since it's not often talked about. Um, a lot of people assume that SDS is like super duper helpful um, when you go to college, like, oh, every college has a student disability services and therefore like everything should be accessible, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, a lot, they only help with some things that are very like specific that you need in your accommodation letter, but everything else is up to the professor to choose if they want to do that, if that makes sense. Like buildings, they don't like SDS doesn't do anything with buildings. Um, if you need like a virtual option because of COVID, like that's up to the professor if they want to do that. That's not SDS. SDS only really applies if you have a diagnosis or a like proof of a condition, and then you can get um, physical accommodations written into your um, academic plan, but like mild sicknesses or like short-term illnesses, like don't count for that. Yeah. yeah. So what I wanted to add was um, from my experience being um, my first year on campus, um, they reached out to me, we had like a meeting. And when we first went to the meeting, it was um, kind of odd. I thought, cause I had never experienced it and I didn't know what to expect, um, but they tried their best. They asked me what I wanted, but then it was like a pause and we had to figure out how we were gonna make that happen. And then they email me periodically about like desks and like the height of the desk. And they were really specific about that, which I appreciated um, the dorm situation, um, which is kind of complicated but it's more because I'm in the residential college for education and that's on the second floor of my dorm. Um, so like the elevator is a whole issue, but there's nothing they really can do about it as long as they just like keep up with like the maintenance. Um, and like, I get it, like it's not gonna be perfect. Um, and yeah. 
Cool. Thank you. And you were you wanted to talk about something that happened to you today, which we can get to later. Um, I think our one of our main topics for today is going to be talking about what accessibility is and what it means to you guys. So for listeners out there who might not know, accessibility in relation to disability is defined as it, it means that accessibility means persons with disabilities are provided with equal opportunity to acquire the same information, visit the same places, engage in the same interactions, enjoy the same services as a person without such disabilities, according to wecapable.com. So does that fit with how you guys define disability or define accessibility? Um, so we're going to get into little big words here. I'm going to do more of a radical approach of accessibility. Of course, um, of course, please. To me, um, accessibility is not necessarily, is there a ramp in front of this building or is there an elevator, right? To me, accessibility is, do I feel comfortable? Because there is this theory, there is this theory that um, you are only really disabled if the environment is not suit for you. So most of the world is built with able-bodied people in mind, not disabled people in mind. So when you're in a building that is not meant for you or built with you in mind, you feel like extra disabled, if that makes sense. Like you're very aware of your disability. Like, oh my God, like I'm the only disabled person in here. Oh my God, all the tables are too high, like like stressful. But like if you're in an environment that was meant for you and mm -hmm was created to suit you you almost feel like empowered and just like able to live your life normally if that makes sense yeah so I would say accessibility is more so um an environment that fits a disabled person's needs and like gives them equal access like anyone else would without having to ask for it or have to look hard for it it should already be there okay yeah I like that to add Go ahead. Um, okay. To add, I would say um, just me personally, um, for like the whole wheelchair thing, I don't like wake up every morning and be like, hey, I'm in a wheelchair. Like, I just don't think about it constantly, but I like know, like I'm not mm -hmm. in style. Um, so like accessibility would just be like, for me, um, inclusion to like the most possible point. Um, which like there's a lot that needs to change around the world and like I can like say that I'll give them like give people like the opportunity to but like yeah it sucks on some days but I'm not gonna be like oh my gosh this world like it's terrible um so yeah just accessibility to me is just like including people and finding ways to make it accessible um things accessible like buildings when they're not but it's very hard um, so yeah. Yeah, I love those both definitions. I like that you both included the idea of not having anxiety around your situations on a daily basis versus, as you mentioned, Jessica, most places, all places in the 21st century, I think, unfortunately, are, as you said, built with an able-bodied person in mind. And I think you both, you both are right. Like the idea that going in with inclusion in mind to the fullest extent is what we should be doing, especially on college campuses, as you guys were saying. But yeah, I totally agree. I love that you guys have defined it that way. Yeah. And then do you think, I guess, based on both of your individual definitions, do you guys find Central Michigan University as a whole, do you find it an accessible place for you both? Yep. 
Yes. Um, I well, I find it inaccessible. I don't find it accessible whatsoever. Okay. I'm back and forth. There's places, but o- overall, it's not just like the world is not. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I've got I've got two no's. All right. So why, Jessica, are you an absolute no? So I'm an absolute no because as like like Eleanor said, there are a couple places that are kind of accessible, but I really wouldn't say they are because at, if you really think about it, um, they're not like, just because they did the bare minimum doesn't make them accessible. Like the UC has an elevator. It's one of the worst elevators I've ever seen in my life. Like <laughs> it, it's there, it's, a, it's the bare minimum, but I wouldn't say it's accessible. I can barely fit me, my chair, my service dog and my caregiver in it with me um and it's like it creaks when you go up and down it like it's not great um like hp all of the accessible buttons are kind of high so i actually just wrote a paper on this for one of my classes i went through and measured all of the buttons in the building and they do meet the ada requirement but they are too high for most um wheelchair users to be able to hit because our chairs sit so low to the ground and these are so high that like most people can't raise their arm high enough to get to it. Um, So I definitely think that CMU is not accessible based off of the fact that there's so much more that they could do. And I know that they have the money to be able to do it. They're just choosing not to spend it on the right areas. Right, that's really powerful. I'm sorry that you're dealing with that on a daily basis. Both of you guys, I feel like that's so terrible. Eleanor, you mentioned earlier that you live in the dorms. I also live in the dorms right now. And I know for a fact that a lot of the older dorms have very scary elevators. Um, do you struggle with elevators in the same way when it comes to living in the dorm? I definitely do. So I live in Sweeney um, and that elevator, I feel like has problems weekly. Um, and they always have people come in. And one time I was actually stuck up in my dorm because they were doing maintenance. And I think I missed a class, so that was great. Um, but it scares me every time. Um, I hate elevators, because um, I'm afraid I'm gonna get stuck in them. And since I'm on the second floor, I like had to get over that fear um, pretty quick, because I have to use it multiple times a day. Um, but like the other day, I was going to get dinner, and I almost got stuck in it. Um, an alarm started going off. That really freaked me out. Um, and then I like wanted to go down because I was on the second floor. I wanted to go to the first floor and it brought me up and there was nobody there. So there was really no reason for it to go up. So I was kind of confused about that. So I really think they need to be like extremely updated. And then when you talk more about the elevator in our university center, I don't know that I've ever seen that. And is it possible that that is kind of hidden and hard for you guys to find and out of the way? Yes, yes, I would not have found it my freshman year if someone didn't tell me where it is. So when you walk to the UC, it's on the outside. So you know the stairs that you go up when you get there? Mm-hmm. Like doors you open and then there's stairs to either go up or down. Mm-hmm. Um, so if before you walk in those doors, look to the right and there's like a side door. If you walk in that door, then there's the elevator. Oh, okay. um, And a fun little fact about that elevator door is I have gone multiple times on a Sunday and the door had been locked and I had to wait outside 
my caregiver had to leave me alone, go up into the UC, find someone to unlock it and then come down and let me in, which is extremely dangerous for someone that needs to be with someone 24 seven. Um, like my caregiver shouldn't have to leave me to go find that. Mm-hmm. And then in a situation that you don't have a friend or a caregiver with you, how are you supposed to find someone to unlock the door to get into the building? Like, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Eleanor, you were nodding your head there for a second. Have you experienced the same thing? That happened to me, um, I'd say like October-ish. It was actually during fall recruitment for my sorority. Um, And I was going to get Starbucks during like a break or something. And I had to get a person that I was like with, but like I left to go get Starbucks and she was staying back. And I had to call her and be like, I can't get in here. Like, I need your help. So then she had to call somebody else. I don't know who she called. Um, And they were like, they're not officially open yet, but like they were open. But like parts of the UC were open, but like that doesn't make sense. Mm Because if any part of UC is open, all access to the building in general should be be open. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got, you mentioned Jessica that you wouldn't know where these things are unless someone showed it to you. Do you guys get a tour of where all of these things are on campus that you need? I'm seeing a not, I'm seeing a shaking her head. No, please elaborate. You guys don't get any, no one tells you where these things are before you come here. No, no. I did find them on your own. Yeah. I did a regular campus tour. Like I did the CMU new days. Um, and you know, I, we just had to find the elevator. Um, I had to find the accessible entrance to Fresh. Um, I had to find the accessible entrance to the dorms. So no, like short, long story short, they don't tell you um, accessibility wise where everything is, where, like where you'll need to go, what you'll need to do. Um, They didn't even really tell me how I needed to access SDS. I kind of just figured that out on my own from bugging them enough times. I knew they existed, so I just bothered them. Um, And then I made my appointment and it worked out fine. But um, I definitely think there should be like an accessible campus tour for students that are disabled because that's not really fair for them to have to figure that out on their own. No, not at all. I think that's a really great idea. I actually think that's something that the faculty could implement very quickly. You know, I think that's a lot of times I think when we're talking about inclusion, for some reason, it's a really long process. And, -hmm. you know, there's always multiple steps and there's always like, well, wait, we have to do this first. Whereas that is literally something where you could teach people who give tours, you could teach them that in a day. On another note, like how they could easily make different things more accessible. When you go on a campus tour, you get to see a mock dorm room. Um, I went in and I saw the mock dorm room and I couldn't even go in the mock dorm room, first of all, because it was too small. My chair couldn't fit in it. So I like just peeked my head in and like looked and I was like, well, this is not helpful for me at all because there's I can't live in this. And I know that they have accessible dorms, but I wasn't able to see it. Um, And then also like when you get accepted into Central, I don't know if they still send these out, but they used to send out like little pamphlets of the different dorm layouts and dorm setups and the accessible dorms are not in there. So I didn't get to see what the accessible dorm looked like until July maybe or June. And I was accepted in October because they did the early admission. Um, So I had to wait a while, which was frustrating because I couldn't like fully accept my um, admission into Central until I knew there was somewhere for me to live. 
Um, and we had to actually come on campus. And then people from SDS walked around inside my dorm with me and showed me everything, which was really nice. But like that should have been an option when I was on there for the campus tour. It's not that hard to have a non-accessible show dorm and an accessible show dorm or at the very least put it in the pamphlet so you can get an idea of what it's going to look like because I knew I would have a one roommate and then I knew I would have a caregiver sleeping with me so I had no idea what it would look like my dorm was set up so I had a suite mate was where my roommate slept she had her own bedroom and then I had the bigger room with two beds in it and it was me and my caregiver in there. So that's how mine was set up. But like, that would have been nice to know when we were like planning everything out. Mm-hmm. And you, correct me if I'm wrong, do not live on campus now. Yep. I um, live on South Washington Street. Okay. And Eleanor, if you had the opportunity, even though we do require the two years on campus, do you, would you think that it would be a better experience for you if you didn't live on campus? Um, yes and no. Um, I have my pros and cons just because of my personal mm-hmm. life. Um, but to add about the like seeing the dorm rooms. So I did my like initial visit before I like um, got ex- I got accepted. I kind of did everything backwards. Um, got accepted, did my initial visit, and then like decided I was going to go there. But when I decided I wasn't going to go there, it was kind of like I need to decide. And I like loved the education program. Um, but they showed me a um, typical room and like I could fit in it, but barely. So like I wouldn't live in it. And like, they just wanted to show me something. And it was in, I think August. So like people, it was like the end of the semester, people were just leaving. So they like told me they couldn't show me a handicap accessible room. And I was like, okay. Um, So then I had to come back in, or no, it wasn't August. It was not August, May um my months are confused um and then I came back in July because I wanted to see the room and they like had to schedule and it like got canceled and all that but then I finally saw my specific room but I think that's because I like pushed it so much because I needed to like measure things and like figure out what I was going to put in there and like how I was going to like live by myself because my hometown's two hours away so like I'm alone Mm -hmm. Right. And as we said earlier, when we were defining accessibility, this, as you guys both said, this is not accessibility because as you said, Eleanor, you had to push to get them to tell you, yeah, you're yeah, not, you're telling, you had to push to get them to let you see the room, to let that, to let you figure out how you're going to live there. As you mentioned, Jessica, you had no idea what was going on and it was you plus your caregiver. So yeah, as you guys both said, like, unfortunately we can't call CMU accessible yet, which really sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think it would be accessible or inclusive if when we get to the point when you don't have to beg for bare minimum and you don't mm-hmm. have you don't have to say, please, can I see my room that I'm living in? Right. Everyone else got to see theirs. Why can't I see mine in the same manner? Um, please, I need to know if my wheelchair will fit um, in my bedroom. I need to know if my shower chair will fit in the shower. I need to know if I'll even be able to get up to the sink and brush my teeth in the morning. Like, um, you need to know that kind of stuff. So I think once CMU starts, you know, implementing those practices, mm-hmm. then we will start to reach accessibility. But as of right now, like having to ask and beg for civil rights and basic rights is not accessibility. Right. Thank you. That was a really powerful statement. I'm really excited about that one. 
Um, which brings us to our second topic of today, which Jessica is really excited about, <laughs> um, is the idea that is it possible? Well, it, it probably is. Is it possible that the fact that we struggle with accessibility as a school, as a college, because we are we do have an entirely able body board and we have an able body president? Do you think that elements of ableism, and we'll define that for our listeners, do we think that ableism plays into the way that the school is not only set up, but how people run their classrooms and how we design things as a school. Yes, I'm seeing nodding. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the reason why ableism is so bad in America is because it's systematic. It's stemmed from a long time ago. And a lot of people don't even realize that it exists for people that don't know what it means. It's um, discrimination in favor of able-bodied people. So it's basically, um, you know, putting disabled people through things that they don't need to go through um, or saying things that you wouldn't normally say to other people. So a common example I use is a lot of people tell me that I'm inspirational just for living because I'm in a wheelchair. That's ableist. Um, you wouldn't say that to an able-bodied person. And you certainly wouldn't say it to, you know, just your average Joe walking the street. You wouldn't be like, wow, yeah, I'm so proud of you for getting out of bed today. Go you. Um <laughs> So like, that's a very easy example of ableism, but the fact that CMU, um, the board is all able-bodied people, um, I definitely think it plays a big role in it because as sad as it sounds, unless you live with a disability or you know someone with a disability or you study disability studies and stuff like that, you're not gonna look for it. You're not gonna be able to see it, but once you see it, you can't unsee it. So all of my friends, all of my family, like when they go somewhere, they're like, oh my God, just can't get into this building, there's no ramp. Or, oh my God, just can't get into this rooftop bar, there's no elevator. So like once you see it, you can't unsee it. So that leads me to believe that the board just doesn't see it at all, which makes them believe it isn't a problem. Um, I think that we would need someone on the board with a disability to be able to be like, hey, you know, like this isn't good. This is how we can fix it. Um, because yeah, I mean, it stems through systematic and then that also follows into policies in the classroom. Um, a lot of classroom procedures are not accessible and they're very ableist. Um, number one, COVID. The way that CMU is treating the pandemic is ridiculous. And it is a very ableist of them to assume that every person is comfortable attending online campus or in-person campus, sorry, and that they are able to. So um, here's the thing with COVID, like, yes, Omicron isn't as bad. Yes, our numbers are going down, but there's still a pandemic going on. So for a lot of disabled and chronically ill people, the pandemic never went away. The pandemic never stopped, like they never stopped their isolation period. They never stopped quarantining um, because, you know, COVID could kill them very easily. Um, so the fact that CMU isn't even offering a high flex option is really just ableist of them because not every person that goes to CMU can get COVID. Like I am one of those people. I have to go to in-person classes because the faculty can't offer online. Like it's not their fault. It's just the policy. Um, but I can't get COVID. I could end up in the hospital from COVID, even like the very simple and like, you know, less aggressive strain of the variant. 
could be very detrimental to anyone with underlying conditions. And like another ableist policies is like attendance policies. Like that's just absolutely ridiculous that we are grading students if they can come to class or not. And we're penalizing them if they go to, if they miss more than three. I even have classes that would give you a penalty if you miss one. And it's not like um, a low penalty, like it's a very high penalty. And then I also have classes that will penalize you a half a point for every time you're late to class, which is terrible because you shouldn't have to explain, sorry, my wheelchair um, didn't get charged last night because the power went out. So I couldn't get to class because my wheelchair died. Or sorry, I couldn't get to class because I lived in the dorm and the snow plowing people didn't plow the sidewalk. So I literally couldn't get there. I've had to email my professors that before because I couldn't leave my dorm room. Um, sorry, I can't come to class because I'm in the hospital because I need treatment for um, my chronic illness that flared and I can't do anything to control that. Like you shouldn't have to explain yourself um, and you also shouldn't have to prove that you need accommodations. That's another very common thing. You don't get an accommodation letter um, unless you prove it. Like you have to prove that you are truly disabled, that you truly need assistance. And yes, there are people that fake things out there, but in my classes, we talk a lot about how um, disabled people wouldn't fake it. If you're asking for something, you clearly need it. I would never be like, hey, professor, I broke my neck. So can I please get an extension on this deadline because I have a concussion and a fractured spine? Like no one would say that for fun. Um, and I've had professors, you know, tell me like, my excuse wasn't good enough and I needed paper proof that I actually injured myself or actually had surgery and I was in the hospital. So like, I just think that if we really acknowledge the fact that these policies are ableist and there's so many other ways you could go about it, then we could move forward. But I think the issue is that a lot of professors don't even realize that they are ableist because a lot of people like attendance policies are normal everywhere. So people are like, yeah, that's fine. Um, but like I missed at least 40 days of school every year when I was in high school. My attendance was horrible, but I had all A's. So like you can not attend class if you need to and still get a good grade. And I think that's a misinterpretation of from professors. Um, I think they think that if you're not there, you're um, you know, not learning and not getting a good grade. Or if you're on your phone during class, you're not paying attention which is also just not true. Like for me personally, I don't have great use of my hands. So um, I type notes out on my phone and then I'll airdrop them to my computer. So oftentimes it looks like I'm texting and I'm usually not, I'm usually just taking notes or writing a paper or something like that. So I think like professors just need to be more understanding and have it more at the front of their brain of like, oh, this could be what's going on with the students live or this is what they might need rather than they're faking it. They don't need that. If they needed it, you know, they would prove it. I think we need to shift our mindset to if they're asking for it, they should get the help that they need instead of they need a documentation from a surgeon saying that they have to have surgery so they can't come to class. Right. Um, Eleanor, you were telling us about a thing that happened to you today with a professor. If you still feel comfortable sharing, please let us let us hear your story. Yeah, I'll totally share. So I had a lab today um, for one of my education science classes. And um, 
there was like a table put off to like the side. It was lower, obviously, because I needed it to be lower. Um, and we had like an odd number of people, but like I don't think that really mattered in this situation. But like the per- the professor kept coming up to me, and like everybody was working in like pairs, and I was like working with like the professor. And I felt like really weird about it because I grew up with an IEP, um, an individualized education plan because I needed help with school um, because I struggled with reading comprehension. So I felt like I was back in that because I progressed out of that. Um, In high school, I got, um, I advanced out of my IEP and it was a really big deal for me, my sophomore or junior year, I can't remember because it felt like so long ago. And then I um, got a 504 and that's just like a medical action plan type of thing to make it simple for like my physical disability, mm-hmm. not anything more than that. So like, say like a fire drill or something like that. And that kind of carried over, but into college, but not for me specifically into my 504 plan. It's just, I'm telling the student disability services um, what I need, but it's not like official like documentation. Okay. Right. So just so I can make this so I can understand it better. The professor was trying to, as you know, how Jessica said earlier, you inspire me just getting that from random strangers, kind of the same vibe with this professor who you, you're a capable student, you know, you can go off and work with others. You could even work by yourself. And this professor continued to come back to you as kind of an idea of maybe extra help, which I I want to say, even I want to say even the idea of somebody coming up to you and and please correct me if I am wrong, the idea of people coming up to you saying like, oh, you inspire me or if a professor who just won't leave you alone, I have to, I hope in my heart that that is all Mm well-intentioned. Maybe, yeah, I'm seeing nodding. I I don't know about intentions. I think, yeah, but like, it doesn't always come across that right. way. Right. Yeah. So um, from what I've gathered, I've been on this earth almost 21 years now. Um, it is it is intended well, but that doesn't make it okay. And that doesn't make it not ableist. Like a lot of things that people say to me, um, they are well intended and it's ableist and what they're doing is wrong simply because they don't know a right way. Mm-hmm. They were raised... Um, probably in the medical model of disability. The medical model of disability is the viewpoint that a disability is something that needs to be fixed or cured. Um, So like hospitals are like, oh, you're disabled. We need to treat you. We need to fix you. We need to cure you. Versus like a lot of disabled people are content just living their life how they normally are. Mm -hmm. So like I get quite often like, oh, you're so inspirational or, oh my gosh, like I'll pray for you. And like, it would be one thing if I asked for prayers or if I asked for that support, a situation but when I'm grocery shopping and people come up and put their hand on my head and pray for me or like just hold my hands um you know like I'm sure they mean well but that doesn't make it okay for them to do that like don't touch strangers I've had um people try to kiss me I've had people kiss me on my forehead I've had during COVID keep in mind oh my gosh did you just nod Eleanor has someone tried to kiss you too (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, I like, hope they were cute. They get really close to me. Like during COVID too, I was working back at home and um they were like super close to me. And I'm like, I can hear you, I can see you, like 
I'm just sitting in a chair. That's it. So yeah. like personal space plus COVID, like six feet. Come on. Back up. Yeah. Back up, first that of is, all. That is um <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. I can't get over the fact that someone tried no, to kiss you. <laughs> that's a normal reaction. That was my reaction at first too. And she was like following me. And I was like, oh, girl. So and she was I'm like so six, it's usually like old people too, like not to be rude, but it's like 60s, mm-hmm. 70s. Um one time I went to Krispy Kreme and I was getting a donut. I had stayed at way too late the day before I went to a concert. And, you know, I'm just vibing in Krispy Kreme, eating my donut. And this guy was like, yeah, I'm really inspired that you came to Krispy Kreme today. I was like, bro, I came to get a donut. And he was like, I know, but like my mom is disabled and she doesn't leave the house. So like, I'm really proud of you for leaving the house. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so your mom might need some mental health care, might need some vocational care, some recreational therapy. Like we might, like, there might be a reason why she's not leaving the house versus she just doesn't want to, um, you know, like a lot, a lot of places aren't accessible. So depression and anxiety is extremely common with disabled people and they're not given the care that they need. They're not giving them the treatment that they need. So like that could easily happen to anyone, but like there's reasons they don't leave the house instead of her just like sitting at home. But like, nonetheless, why are you congratulating me for eating my donut? That's really not a big deal. Um, like if I did something inspiring and like actually cool, like I've spoken in front of 20,000 people. I was 15 when I did it. And that was really cool. And people were like, wow, that was really inspiring. And I was, and I was like, thank you. Like, that was really cool. I'm so happy I got the opportunity to do that. And it was so fun. Like, I wasn't nervous or anything. So that is a skill of mine. And you can congratulate me for that. But like, don't congratulate me for just living my life. Um, kind of off of what Eleanor was talking about, like professors. Um, first day in my new class. I'm not going to say the class name because I don't want to call them out. But um, I was sitting in class and he was like, can you introduce yourself? And I was like, yeah, um, my name is Jessica Hetzel, you know, the whole spiel, like major, minor. And then he was like, okay, great. You have a caregiver with you and a service dog. Can you introduce them too? And I was like, yeah, this is my caregiver. This is my service dog. And I like said, like my caregiver is like major. First of all, that's uncomfy. Like, please don't make me introduce them to the class. That's awkward. But I just, I rolled with it. And then he legitimately told my caregiver, he was like, you are doing God's work. Like you are so inspiring. We need more people like you on this earth. Like what you do is amazing. And I had to stop myself from saying she's only here. Cause I sign her paycheck every Sunday <laughs> here because I sign her pay, like her paycheck, her bills. I pay her bills. It's work. She's here because she's working. And then after I did all that, like a couple minutes later, we were reading off of the board and he was like, Jessica, can you read off the board for me? Like, are you able to do that? Like, can you do that? And I was like, yeah, if I couldn't do that, you would have saw that accommodation in my letter of accommodation that I sent you an hour ago before the class started that you read and emailed me back. Sounds great. Got everything. You would have seen it in there and I couldn't read. <laughs> I, I just, I have so many emotions. Right now. <laughs> Eleanor, you also have a caregiver. Yes. I do not. You don't. Okay. Alrighty. No. I was going to say. Okay, well, good for you. <laughs> I I have heard of what I I have heard of experiences like that with caregivers on not specifically at CMU but on campus where they're kind of like, oh, can you introduce us for her? And then the person with the disability is like, I can talk. Like yep. I 
I can take care of myself. Eleanor, have you experienced stuff like that where people try to put you almost in like a third person sense? Yeah, definitely. Just throughout my whole entire life. Um, one point I want to bring up is a lot of, of people put a physical disability with like a mental disability and it's all in the same category. Yep. And I've been my whole life fighting that since I was little and my parents have been fighting it since I was little. Cause like when you're little, you're not right. Like, really <laughs> with it. Um, but that's like a really big thing that like needs to stop. Like I just have a physical disability. I have my struggles with that, but I'm at college trying to get a degree and I will get the degree eventually. And yeah. 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 No, I, Definitely agree. Um, I've also had that struggle. You like when you just live, like you can see the stereotype quite frequently. Um, I also had an IEP um, because I needed like staff with me. I have a bunch of issues wrong with me. Like she's, I'm a wreck, but <laughs> in the best way possible. Um, but I have ADHD too. So like I need extra time on tests and like I need to be in a separate room when I'm testing so that my classmates can't copy off of what I'm saying because I can't write. So I've told my caregiver what to write for me. Um, but like a lot of people assume that if you have a physical disability, you have an intellectual disability as well. And that's just not true. People talk to me like I'm five. Um, people infantilize, inf inf how do you pronounce that? Infantilize. Infantilize, thank you. Right. <laughs> I think so. Infantilize me. Um, and that is simply literally just, stereotype and stigma like they don't even know they're doing it it just happens um and it's really frustrating because I my disease intelligence is actually more common with it um like it's a literal known characteristic like people with SMA usually have a 4.0 um and they're extremely intelligent it's kind of spooky um because <laughs> you had to grow up pretty quickly because you have to fight for yourself you have to fight for your life you have to fight for your civil rights and they're not handed to you on a silver platter like they are if you are able-bodied. Um, I had to fight to go to school. I had to fight to prove that I could maintain a college degree. Um, and that like, so I took the SAT and I took the ACT. I took both my junior year of high school. And I was trying, I was working with um, MRS, Michigan Rehabilitation Services to help me go to school. And they made me do a bunch of like, um, intelligent testing and to prove that I could like get a degree to prove that I wouldn't fail my college classes. And I, my mom was like, isn't the SAT and ACT enough? Isn't her high school diploma enough proof that she like can learn? Like, and even, even if you had an intellectual disability, you shouldn't have to prove that you can go to class. Like if you can go to class, you can go to class. You know what I mean? Like you can learn and you can be in college if you have an intellectual disability. So like that stereotype is just very harmful to a lot of people and it's very frustrating. Um, and I'm sure it's frustrating to people with intellectual disabilities because the stigma on that is like, oh my God, you're dumb. And that's just like not true. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's frustrating mm -hmm. for both parties. So mm -hmm. I definitely, definitely it happens a lot. One time I was on my senior spring break and I visited my grandma at like her retirement community in Florida and I had gotten out of the pool and I was sitting next to the pool and someone came up to me and she like squatted down and she was like oh my god did you have so much in the so much fun in the pool honey 
and because like she's she was talking to me like I was five and I looked at her and I was like yeah I'm having so much fun on my senior spring break I'm actually going to attend Central Michigan University in August and I'm so excited to live in the dorm and pertain my degree and she was like like literally dropped she was like oh my gosh she can speak and I was like have a great day <laughs> yeah. Eleanor have you had similar experiences yeah um I don't like think that fast I always like think about it after to like mm-hmm. just have a good comeback but like I've definitely had those experiences um with that point about like college and stuff um people think it's like not typical for people with disabilities to go to college and like to be honest I'm like not one of those people but like I was at some point Mm -hmm. but then I'm more open to it and like I see it now um so that's like a whole big thing that people need to realize that like we can go to college too no matter what kind of college like community college university Mm -hmm. close to home away from home I know people that are in wheelchairs that go to college in different states than their home. Like you can be like a traditional college student. Right. I feel like even with that, the idea of you don't see people with disabilities in colleges or like you don't know about it is when we see a lot of those college brochures, I know for a fact CMU just redid a lot of their brochure pictures they don't have any students with this, at least not any physical disabilities that are visual that you can tell that someone is experiencing, which yeah. invisible disabilities is also super important. Yep. But representation for everybody matters, you know? Representation yeah. is important. And yeah, I was just about to bring that up. Um, I was gonna say like kind of what you said, like I think that the issue of why we are treated as if we can't go to college or can't get a degree um, is because the media doesn't represent it. Like disability in media is terrible, quite honestly. Did you know that most of the time when you see a disabled character on a show, it's an able-bodied actor playing the part? It's not a disabled actor, which is ridiculous because there's disabled actors out there that need a job. So like, how would anyone know? Like even myself, I had never known anyone that went to college that was disabled. How would I know that I could go to college if I don't see it mm-hmm. always represented? Like same thing with like working. Like if you don't see a disabled person working or going through Greek life, how would you know that you can do that? If it's never fed into your mind that you can do it, you're constantly told you can't do it. You aren't valuable. Like you're constantly devalued instead of told that you are valuable. Or like, do you feel like you're constantly stuck educating people when it comes to, I hear, I see nodding from Eleanor whenever you're ready. Yeah. So um, a few things. I had the idea I was really hoping that when I came to college, people would be more open. And that's not what's happening. I still get the typical stares and the usual day to day. I thought, oh, college, everybody's different. You know, everybody's trying to come together and do like a similar thing. It's it's not what they say it is. And a fun fact, um, that I was thinking about over the summer and then I brought into like the school year is YouTube, um, like the back to school videos. Um, there's no representation at all for people with disabilities going to school. So I actually started a YouTube channel um, 
And then I got to college and it kind of drifted away because I'm still trying to figure out my bearings, but I'm hoping to like pick it up again because I think it's very crucial because social media is very big. YouTube, very big. People watch videos all the time and there needs to be representation of that. Yeah, of course. I love that. What is the name of your show, by the way? Just so that we can make sure people go. And it's called it. Eleanor's Journey. Okay, cool. No, I lied. It's oh. not. It's called <laughs> Eleanor's Climb. Okay, cool, cool. Um, like a big part of my college experience, it's a lot like everyone else's. There's just a lot more of fighting that you don't see. Um, um, I have to fight for, you know, my accommodations. I don't fight anymore because I have them. So that's great. But I did, I did have to fight for them. I did have to get them. And that process is difficult. It's not for the faint of heart. I had to fight to get um, funding to be able to come to school because I couldn't pay out of pocket for my staff. I require 24 seven staff, seven days a week. Um, so like, I can't afford to pay 12 girls minimum wage, like 24 seven. That's just too much. So I had to fight for that. I had to prove that I was worth spending the money on to attend school. And they even tried, they were like, how about we give you a life alert button instead of staff members? And I was like, I was like, bestie, I can't hit that button. <laughs> like, and also, are we going to signal 911 every time I need to pee? Right. That seems a bit dramatic, if you ask me. <laughs> um, as annoying as it can be, I'm grateful that I get to do it. I know a lot of disabled people don't have access to college and they don't have the ability to live on their own or afford it or even get staff members. Like a couple of my friends aren't even able to go to school because they've just had such a hard time trying to get staff. Um, one of my friends that lives in New Jersey, actually, she doesn't even have staff because they denied her hours. Um, so she only has two staff members, even though she needs more, but she just had to work with what she was given. So like, I'm grateful that I am able to go here and I'm annoyed that I have challenges that other people don't have. Um, and, but that just irritates me in general, like not just college, like life in general, like you shouldn't have to fight for everything. Um, I just, I wish more um, able-bodied people knew what was going on. And that's the big reason why I did this podcast is we can't fight on our own. We can't do everything on our own. We're very strong people, very fierce people because we don't have a choice. But there is a point in time where we can't do everything alone. Um, we need able-bodied allies at the end of the day. So if you learn one thing from this podcast, I encourage you to like educate yourself more. I encourage you to ask if you have any friends that are disabled, ask what you can do to help. Ask if there is any policies that you can start working on because you can write letters to the government. You can write letters to the governor. You can write letters to President Davies. Like you can do things to change and we can't do it on our own. Um, one thing, if any of you all are bored and want to help out, I really need CMU to switch to pet-friendly salt because it's burning my service dog's paws. So I need pet-friendly salt on campus. So if any of you are bored, um, I would appreciate it. if you could start working on that. That'd be great. Oh. But um, like college is difficult for everyone. That doesn't diminish my struggle or your struggle. We, so I would just encourage you to be like, wow, let me let me think about all the things that I take for granted. Let me think about all the privilege that I have with um, being non-disabled. And, you know, instead of being like, wow, I feel so sorry for disabled people we would rather you help us 
and we would rather you make change than you just feel like wow that sucks sorry <laughs> if Thank that makes so sense much. those are great ending thoughts Eleanor do you have anything else you want to let listeners know before we head out today Yes, I would just like to say that um, I can't wait to start my minor. Like, I'm so excited. Um, I just haven't had the time to fit it in my schedule. I'll probably take one course um, over the summer. And I also can't wait to learn more about um, ableism because, honestly, I don't know that much about it. And I probably should. It's just not one of the things that I have learned about because I... I'm not really around people with disabilities. Like I grew up in a town where I was like the only one. And like now I have all my close friends are like able-bodied people. I have like one friend that's in a wheelchair too, but she lives in like a different state. So I'm gonna grow and you should grow too. We love that. I'm gonna grow and you guys are gonna grow. You guys should grow too. I love that so much. Well, thank you guys again for coming here and talking with me. I know we changed up the script and I'm very glad that we did. I feel like this conversation was so much more productive and so much more important than what I had planned. Um, For listeners, just to recap today, I talked with Eleanor and Jessica on Diverse Voices about what accessibility means, the definition of ableism, and how those relate specifically to Central Michigan University and how Central Michigan University can better itself to be more not only inclusive, but more accessible to all students. Once again, I'm Mia Sigma, your host of Diverse Voices, and I'll see you guys again next time. Bye.